Blog Talk Radio. Hi, and welcome to The Art of Film Funding. I'm your co-host, Claire Papan, along with Carol Dean, author of the best-selling book, The Art of Film Funding. Carol is also the founder and president of From the Heart Productions and the host of this show. Maury Warshawski is a consultant, facilitator, and writer who has spent 30 years specializing in the nonprofit sector. His work is characterized by a commitment to the core values of creativity, thoughtfulness, tolerance, and transparency. Warshawski works with nonprofits that are having difficulty achieving their goals. He helps them reach their dreams through strategic planning. Maury is well known for his funding book, Shaking the Money Tree, third edition, and for his brilliant book, the fundraising house party. And Carol Morey is a donor to your grants, right? Yes, he is, Claire. Morey is dedicated to supporting documentary filmmakers, and he gives a generous donation to the winner of our film grant. So thanks for joining us, Morey. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, we're going to have a lot of fun today. We want to cover funding parties, your brilliant book, Shaking the Money Tree, and learn more about how you work with filmmakers. And I want to start with the Fundraising House Party book because I believe that it's an excellent resource for artists to fund themselves. And Thank I you. noticed, oh, it is. It is so exciting, such a precious little book, but it's packed with information. Now, I noticed in the preface of the second edition that you said you had no idea how popular house parties would become. Are they still growing in popularity? Uh, yeah, because everybody knows about them now. <laughs> they used to be uh, only done by uh, political parties. They were very popular in, in the political realm. Uh, and then everybody else started picking up on the fact that they could do them as well, that they were uh, usable uh, and an effective tool for fundraising in almost any kind of venue. Um so, yeah, they're still going strong, stronger than ever. And do filmmakers consult with you sometimes about make, uh, creating a party like this? Uh, occasionally I will have a call that's just party-oriented, and usually I'll just, just say, read the book first and then call me up if you still have questions. Because the, the book is very, very uh, granular and A to Z about exactly how to do it and what the shortcomings are and how not to make mistakes. But typically, uh, I will fo fold advice about house parties into a larger discussion about fundraising because it shouldn't be the only way you look for money. But it, sh it could and should be a part of a, a fundraising plan. Oh, that's exactly right. I remember in one of the classes I took that you, you uh, gave, you talked about uh, drawing a circle, big round circle, and then dividing it up, and that circle represented your time. And you should um, look at what time you want to uh, use for each of the funding opportunities, like grants, fundraising parties. I guess crowdfunding would be part of that now. You want to share that with us? Uh, yeah, well, I, I counsel my clients to be strategic 
about where they put their time, energy, and money, because all of those items are very limited. Um, so that means uh, when I take a look at the environment for funding, I see the filmmaker swimming through a potential sea of money sources. There are lots of ways to raise money, and the filmmaker's job is to step back and look at that uh, landscape and figure out uh, which areas they want to swim through and what kind of swim stroke they're going to need to learn to be viable and successful in those arenas. Uh, so, I mean, briefly, I can outline the uh, the places where many are. Um, and the first, of course, is individuals. So if you take a look at where money comes from for all nonprofit, noncommercial ventures uh, available, over 80% comes from individuals. Wow. And that's based on figures from, like, the last 50 years. Uh, so... That's one venue for getting money, and it turns out there are lots of different ways to get money from individuals, and house parties is one way, crowdfunding is another way, one-on-one -on -one individual asks is one way. Uh, and then another pot of money is grants, and grants typically are coming either from private foundations or from government agencies, and those are two different worlds that are very dense as well, and you need to learn about them. And then there's corporate support. Uh, and support from small businesses. So you've got a really nice, broad swath, a rainbow of possibilities for money, but it's much too big and dense to attack all of it. And that means the filmmaker has to step back and ask two, a couple of big questions. One is, who am I? And which of these venues is more viable for me as a person? Uh, so personality does have a big difference in, in fundraising. You know, it, if you're going to ask people for money one on one, you've got to have be able to jump over that fear factor of dealing with people and looking them in the eye and asking for money. Uh, or maybe you're a kind of filmmaker who's better at writing and articulating uh, your work on paper. Maybe you're a filmmaker who does have business connections. Uh, so that's one area. And then the second area is your project, because your project is not going to be uh, attractive to every funding avenue. It's going to be likely more uh, attractive to certain areas of the fundraising environment. So some projects are just never going to get grants. Some projects are never going to get corporate support. Some projects just aren't good with major donors. So you have to ask those two questions, you put them together, and then you put together a, a, a viable strategy for where you're going to spend your time and energy and money and looking, and looking for money. And unfortunately, you're going to be spending a lot of your time looking for money. So it's really important to be um, strategically impactful about how you do that, that you're spending your time with intent, understanding how you're going to do it. Wow. Yes, that does take a lot of thought and planning. Yeah. Um, and this, uh, going back to the fear factor and making the ask, that's a major problem for a lot of filmmakers because they're very creative people, but they yeah. they either love to write and then storyboard and talk to the director, uh, but they're not, they're just not people people. <laughs> and they tell me, I can't do this. I can't do this. So um, 
what do you say to someone like that? How do you help them? Well, uh, the first thing I say to them is, uh, do you need to do it? Does it need to be done? Because <laughs> if it doesn't, then you don't have to. I, I, I don't have a problem with that. Uh, and then the filmmaker will sit back for a minute and say, well, yeah, it absolutely must be done because this project has to happen and I have to see it through. And then I'll say, well, okay, if that's true, then how you feel about it doesn't matter, does it? <laughs> right. <laughs> you have to get over that. Uh, so, so I'll say let's take a look at the avenues that are most appropriate for this project. Where could it get the money? And then you've got to find a way to overcome your your fears or disabilities or impediments. You have to find a way to get over those impediments and just get that money the way it must be gotten. So, you know, there are workarounds for disabilities, uh, and sometimes it means finding a, a partner who's really good with people or hiring someone, uh, bringing in a team. Um, so in different areas of fundraising, it's easier or harder to get that. So, for instance, if you're not a good writer, uh, that's the easiest problem to overcome. So if you find that your project is really going to be appropriate for, for the granting environment, then there are many, many good writers out there and, and, and grant-writing people that you could hire. Uh, and as long as you can articulate your project well and be passionate about it, they can turn that into good verbiage. Uh, what's harder to find is someone who would uh, approach major donors with you or for you. That's very difficult to do. Uh, and actually, when we talk about house parties, that's the one thing I love about house parties is the filmmaker does not ask for money at the party. <laughs> so you can be a very sh a shy, introverted filmmaker and still have a house party and, and raise a lot of money, be and you don't have to make the ask, but you do, do have to be articulate and passionate about your film. And passionate about your film. That yeah. is so very important um, yeah. because being pitched as much as I am because of the film grant that we get, yes. I uh, can tell you that, uh, that I love the passion. I think yeah. that passion is the key and um, because people seem to override and do things that are impossible with their passion. It's amazing, they have don't to. you find? They have to. <laughs> uh, and that's why, you know, when I talk to filmmakers about pitch, passion is the first thing I mention. Because if, if you don't have that, the rest is moot. Forget about it. And you know what? Uh, when you are talking to people, they can feel that or not feel it immediately. They know oh, yeah. from many signals whether or not your heart is in that project. And because, I mean, especially people like you and, and I, we know what it takes to make these things happen. And I can tell you, if the filmmaker is not passionate about it, it, just, it ain't going to happen. Because it's just too hard. Exactly. And I remember you saying one time, I can tell in 30 seconds when someone starts to pitch me, in 30 seconds I can tell you if they're going to get their film funded or not. Yeah, I'll have a good, I'll have a good beat on it, yeah. That's right. And... Um, so and I tell people because uh, I do t teach pitching to our physically sponsored filmmakers, and I tell them that when sometimes when people start to pitch me, I'm looking at them wondering because the thoughts I want to know is are they going to finish the film? Are they committed? Right. Exactly. And, uh, 
are they passionate? Will they shop at the thrift store for the next five years? Can they drive the same car for a long time? I mean, That's right. what are their commitments? And uh, and so sometimes you and so you must not pitch too long because there's a lot of stuff going on in the recipient's head. You need to make it a very short beginning. Pause and make sure they're still with you because uh, when they there's a moment when you can feel that that person has crossed over a trust line and they have decided they're going to trust you and then they often say, "Now what was it you were saying? Tell me again, right?" Yes, that's right. And it's so yeah. So you can you can tell pretty much. So what do you do, um, you advise people on how to get better or hire someone to help them, but they have to really commit to the fact that they know they're going to need, and that's the second thing that's so important, is a valid budget to look at, right? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I'll tell you something funny. Uh, When I started doing this work with with filmmakers, I, I am not an accountant or a good bookkeeper I have trouble balancing my checkbook every month. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, I just admit that publicly. Uh, but what I learned early in this game is that uh, when filmmakers send me a full proposal and it includes the budget, I I know this is a little odd, but I will look at the budget first. Sure. Uh, because what I've learned is typically I can discover many of the things that are either wrong or, or right with the project and its approach from looking at the budget. It tells me whether or not the filmmaker has really understood what's cooking and what's viable and what's what's necessary for the project. Have, for instance, have they included any money in for PR? Uh, is there oh, you never money see in that. There? You never, never see it, but how are you going to get the, the yeah. film out if you don't market it, you know? Is there money for distribution and community engagement? And uh, I'm looking for all of that just to get a sense of, like, how uh, smart and aware that filmmaker is. Um, and then I'll go back and, you know, and read read the project. But typically uh, I've got a lot of good notes just from, from looking at that, that budget. Yes, and one thing that I find is that they under-budget music. Yes. Music yes. rights. Yeah, you know, you'll uh, uh, like I saw a dance film in my film grant. Music rights fifteen thousand. You got to be kidding me! What's your <laughs> yeah, and More they're planning like to use Bruce Springsteen's music. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's right. So uh, first, yes, first they have to have a, a budget that is realistic. And then they have to face the music and say, my gosh, is it really $250,000? And the yeah. answer is yes. Uh, well, I'll tell you the other thing that's always missing from a budget I see 99% of the, of the time is the expected and potential income sources. So typically, oh. I only see the expense side. <laughs> I'm also really interested in where they think the money's going to come from. Uh, and definitely, you know, if you, you go to a, a granting agency with a budget, they're going to ask you, the filmmaker, well, where have you already raised your funds from and where do you think the rest will come from because I'm not going to give you 100%. Uh, and how savvy or smart are you about, about the potential the potential sources? 
do they look like really viable sources? That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's why um, I. That's when people get in the finals of our film grant. That's the first thing I do is go back and say if they haven't included it, what grants have you applied for? Because that gives me a good idea yeah. um, if they are actively out there and if the grants uh, would match their film. Because that seems to right. be the number one reason, isn't it, that that. Uh, People were turned down for grants because they don't fit the criteria? Oh, that is a major reason. Uh, what I find is that uh, filmmakers have gotten smarter and smarter over the years about that arena. Uh, and I don't meet too many filmmakers anymore who are going for grants that are inappropriate for their project. Uh, what I find the major reason for getting turned down for a grant now is a simple reason, and that's competition. Oh. So the and that's why grants are harder and harder to get now, and it can't be your own only potential source of funding, with the exception of very few filmmakers, like you know maybe Ken Burns. But for most filmmakers, the odds of you getting a grant are you know maybe twenty to one, or thirty to one, or even oh, higher. Gosh. Yeah, uh, so I consider 20 to 1 good odds now, so that should tell you something. And the competition is really stiff because <laughs> there are a lot of people out there who've, you know, who've been around for a while. They're competing with you for the same money. It's really, really a tough environment. Absolutely, it is. Um, and you don't want to discourage filmmakers, but it is the competition uh, and every grant, I can say that as a grantor, every grant is different. And I yes. see that, you know, if uh, sometimes I'll sit there and think, you know what, if the woman who was second in the summer grant had applied again for the fall grant, she would right. have probably won because yeah. the competition isn't here. And when yeah. you say to a filmmaker, I'm sorry you didn't win the grant, they say, why? And I say, well, it's the competition and uh, now I, I just get more specific, Maury, and I tell them it, yeah. it's human trafficking. It's people living on the streets in L.A. I mean, some of these subjects that we get are so urgent yeah. that they automatically get go above uh, an art film, which I love, or something or a biography about someone who right. is very special. And it's a shame, but that's what happens. Yeah, and that's why you need to have a strategy for fundraising that is multidimensional, that doesn't look for just one kind of source for support. Uh, and luckily, there are many more avenues open now for fundraising than, than ever before. That's an upside and a downside, but you're absolutely right. One of the... One of the best films that ever applied for the grant was a film about Kusama by two women who were oh, yeah. adamant. Do you remember uh, Heather oh, yeah. and Karen? Oh, yes, I remember them. Yeah. Fifteen years it has yeah. taken them, and they are now opening. And, of course, it's as if the universe put them on hold because no one knew who Kusama was. Yeah, and now everybody ago. does. Everybody does. Yeah. 
So now their film, Submarine took their film, and uh, the big event is happening in a, in a month where they're yeah. going to have their major screening. And they yeah, they went to Sundance. I'm so happy for them. And, you know, timing is everything. It is, but Maury, I mean, they never gave up. And Well, that's the other thing. You have to, if you're going to be in this game, you have to learn how to be persistent. You have to learn how to be persistent because it just doesn't happen overnight. It takes years. I mean, the first film that my daughter did, she mm-hmm. thought she could finish it in a year or two, and it took six years. And I warned her. I said, well, you may think you can get this done in a year or two, oh. but <laughs> call me three years yeah. from now. Let's see where you are. It took six years. And her second film took six and a half, seven years. But by then she oh knew gosh. it would. Yeah. Her latest well, what, film, that's how long? Six and a half. Big Sonia? Big Sonia took six and a half years. And it started out again. She thought it would be a little 20-minute film, and they could knock it out in like a one trip to Kansas City. And then the first trip to Kansas City opened up their eyes to a larger story. And now you've got a 90-minute film that came out a year ago but took six and a half years to do. It's now in its seventh and a half year, and it's just finally entering uh, the educational market. And, oh, you know, it's going to be another two years of work distributing an education. So we're talking about nine to ten years of her life. Well, now, talk about tenacity and commitment. That's your daughter. Yeah. She's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, she is. If she sets her mind to doing something, just get out of her way. It's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. Well, Claire and I are big fans of hers because we've been watching how Big Sonia is so well-received around the country. And uh, and see, she's right. Sometimes you turn on the camera and people start talking and you see all these threads to the story that you yes. never knew were there. And a yes. good filmmaker will follow those, right? Yeah. Yes, and that's why films take longer to make than you think. Yes, but then you're really making the important thing. Well, this brings me to something that I find often people say to me. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what the story's going to be till I start, till I do more interviews. I think I know, but I'm not sure. And mm-hmm. I say, well, you have to tell me what you think it will be, because if you right. don't tell me a story, that's what we fund. So you have to tell me that. Um, and it's so how do you get them in the beginning to come up with a story when they're really, they, they don't know. I understand that they don't know. But usually, I've never given a grant to anyone that didn't make a better film than they expected to make. Right, yeah. Um, well, I use a mechanism, a mechanism to make that happen, and that's forcing them to write a treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, and that forces the issue. So I don't let a filmmaker get away with uh, in their packet for funding without having at least a two-page treatment. Mm-hmm. And quite often, if it's especially a, you know a verite documentary filmmaker, they'll say, "Well, I don't know what's going to happen." And I'll say, right. "Well, that doesn't matter. Pretend. <laughs> Let's pretend. start out with pretend that this is what you're hoping will happen or likely to happen. Give me some sense of that." And I understand you're doing a documentary, and things are going to change. 
but you got to start someplace, so let's start with that. And that usually helps get them over that hump by giving them permission to pretend and know that they're not locked into that treatment as a script. You know, it's not like a, a narrative film where you've got a script, you need to kind of follow it. It's what you're ho hoping will happen. It gives me a sense of the shape of what the story might look like and where you plan to go with it and how you plan to do it. And that, that's what I need to see at the beginning. Once you start shooting and you're into it, then things will change. Right. And usually for the better. It's a great way. Yes. Yeah. Well, let's. I want to go back to the funding party again for a minute. Um, so do you recommend that people have more than one party? Uh, I typically do, uh, but everything depends on uh, whether or not uh, it's appropriate for your your film and where where and its geography and who's supporting it. So most films can definitely have more than one party if they can find more than one host. And the key really is finding the host. But if you've got more than one host, I mean, you could be in a small town and have three, four, or five parties uh, and be just fine. Or you could have parties all over the country if it's appropriate for your project and you've got people who love you and the project around the country. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I would think about having more than one party. And um, when you have these parties, tell us what you want the host to do for you. What do you ask them to do? Oh, well, the host is key to the whole thing. If you don't have a good host, then <laughs> you're not going to have a good party. Because, well, the first thing is, the first thing you need from the host is the love. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they need yeah. to love you and love the project. The second thing you need from the host before anything else happen is, happens is they must make a commitment to the project. They have to make a donation. So typically your host will come from people who have already donated. Um, but if you've got someone who approaches you or you approach them to be the host of the party, they need to know that that party's not going to work unless they can stand up at the party at night in front of their friends and say, I have already given to this project, or I'm going to be writing a check tonight to that project. So that's square one. They have to be really committed. And then square two is they need to uh, volunteer the use of their home, the place where they live. Not their business, not renting at a hall or going to a gallery or wherever. They need to be willing to invite people into their house. The second thing is, and it's bottom line, they must be willing to open up their Rolodex, their address book, and invite their friends. That's crucial because, you know, what drives these things is being social and social pressure. So they need to be willing to personally invite their friends. Uh, after that, they're like, there are things they can do but don't have to do. Uh, typically, they will provide for and take care of the food almost 99% of the time. But if they don't, then that's something the filmmaker might have to, to provide. Typically, they will design, write, and send out the invitations. Uh, but again, if they don't have time or energy to do that, then the filmmaker might have to do that. Right. Uh, 
Right. And then the last thing is uh, it would be great if they would volunteer to do the follow-up calls after the party. But again, uh, they are not required to do that. It just helps if they will. So that's the range of things you, you would like from the host. And that is a lot. So going back to what yeah. you said, they have to love you and love the project. The square one. That mm-hmm. is square one. <laughs> you don't want someone who just says, well, you can come to my house, you invite people, and you know, I won't even be there that night, but you can have my house. No, that, that doesn't work. <laughs> even if no. they have a mansion on the hill you know, that everybody wants to get into, no, they, they've got to be there to vouchsafe for you and the project. Yes, and a lot of times people go just to see the inside of the house, you know. Yeah, I've heard. that's right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was invited. One of the women that was uh, physically sponsored under me, she had a house funding party in Montecito. It wasn't too far of a drive, and I wanted to yeah. see the house. It was the guy who wrote the chicken soup of the soul. Thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. And um, it was a wonderful party, but... Um, they they offered you, there were three ways that you could contribute. And I think people got confused. Uh-huh. Uh, and so uh, I don't think that she got the money that that, that she had the potential to get. Uh, so I, I don't know. I think you'd keep it simple, very simple. Absolutely. Keep it really simple and easy uh, to happen. Um, mm-hmm. Don't don't complicate it. Don't throw up any impediments. Just you make it easy for people, and you'll get the money. Well, one um, woman who raised an enormous amount of money through fifty dollar checks, fifty hundred dollar checks, uh, she it just came in like popcorn for her, yeah. and she had a funding party and. At the party, she gave everyone the little, like a postcard size size thing where you check off, I want to donate, here's my credit card, or here's my check, and with an envelope. And those envelopes came in for three to six months later than after the party. Why why is that? That was shocking to me. Uh, It's not. In fact, if if you kind of look at the statistics for how and when money comes in for parties, Typically, I tell my clients, 30% of the final amount is going to come in after the party. Wow. Can, yeah. Uh, so, if you know, if you raise $10,000 that night, you're going to get another three or $4,000 afterwards. And there are, there are lots of reasons for it. Sometimes it's just because uh, people uh, have to go home and talk about it. Like, you know, my wife and I have... Uh, uh, have an agreement that if uh, a donation is over a certain amount, we both have to agree to it. Under a certain amount, I can just write the check and nobody cares, but if it's going to be a big amount, then we have to talk. Uh, so they might have come to the party without their spouse. Sometimes they just like, some some people need time to think about it. <laughs> so you know the difference between uh, thinkers and feelers, or if you know much about <laughs> personality types. So some mm-hmm. people just need to go home and, and reason it out um, and then uh, so that's part of it and then sometimes people need a little nudging, a little pushing and that's why uh, calls after the party are, are really crucial and it's most powerful if the host will call the people who didn't give that night to check, check in with them after the party 
and that will that will bring money in. Oh, what a great idea. The host calls and says, did you have a good time? Did you like the film? That kind of thing. Yeah, and then they say, I noticed you weren't able to write a check that night. Woo! Uh, <laughs> uh, are you this ready to give really... now? And if not, can I help you, you know? <laughs> wow. It has, to, it has to be that direct. This is great. Of course, why not? Yeah, uh, and then that really works, doesn't it? Oh yes, oh yes, it does. <laughs> that is. Because it, it, it's a lot about social pressure. Wow. All right. Well, um, your book is just so full of information. And it's when you look at it, it's what is it? Fifty pages. But every. It's a slim volume. Is, yeah. It's four or five great ideas. I mean, you read it, you think, oh, that's great. And then, oops, that, I never knew that. Even uh, with as many parties as I've attended and suggested people have, I still found new stuff in your book. So thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. Well, you know, what I found was that the devil is really in the details. Uh, and to make a, a party really successful, you have to do everything right. If you miss one of the details, then you can miss out on on the money, and uh, I'd been doing a lot of fundraising, and before, before I noticed that nobody had ever really deconstructed the party and talked about how to really do it. They, they all just recommend that you do it, but that doesn't help the person who, who needs to have it done. You know, they need to know the nitty gritty. Oh yeah, these details are terrific. Now, in the book, it mentions a host committee. Uh, yes. And I don't know what that is. Tell, can you tell me about that? Uh, well, double your pleasure, double your fun. <laughs> uh, see, the key to the, the party really working is to have enough of the right people in the room. Uh, and uh, what helps, i found, is if the host will gather together a small committee of of other like-minded people, who will also inv- do two things. One is they will invite their friends to the party as well, mm-hmm. uh, and they help uh, arrange for for the evening, taking care of the decorations and, and the food. Uh, they help send out the invitations. They might help with the follow-up calls. And they're there that night to mill around to talk to people. Oh, and by the way, if you want to be in the host committee, you have to make a donation too. <laughs> Dude, one of the beautiful things about party is you raise a lot of money before the party even happens. That's one of the things I love about house party. So you're raising the host is going to give you money. Yeah. Uh, everyone on the host committee is going to make a donation. So you've already got money there. And then the other thing is when you send out invitations, you know. 60 to 70% of the people you invite are not going to come that night. And a percentage of those people who can't come are going to send you money anyway. They're going to write back because you send them a card that says, uh, sorry, I can't come, but here's my donation. So you make money before you even open the doors at the party. Oh, this is marvelous for filmmakers to know. But they wouldn't know this if you hadn't put it in the book. They wouldn't know how to do that. So I like that host committee because then you've got uh, you've got a better chance of getting twenty people or twenty five people yeah. there because it's really hard for one person to have to get that many people 
uh, unless they're really well known and yeah, so and good. it takes a lot of pressure off of the host, and it makes it more fun. So one of the reasons to do these parties is they are a lot of fun. And in fact, in fact, one of the byproducts of these parties is almost always somebody who came to it said, "I want to host one for you too. Can I do that?" <laughs> oh yes, that is a yeah. key factor, isn't it, to keep it going? Yeah. Well, I went to I went to a party and uh, the food was fantastic, and yeah. uh, the filmmaker talked about her project, and um, it just didn't work. There were, it wasn't working. I don't know why. Uh, but nevertheless, I had to sit down. So I went and sat next to an older gentleman, and he was watching the trailer. Yeah. And I uh, said, wow, look at that. She was in Paris. It was uh, uh, a film on neon. And there she was. I said, wow. He said, oh, really? I said, yes. And look, that's South Texas. I know that. And uh what a great job she did editing all this together. And I love the music, and I made comments, you know. <laughs> yeah. he, he ended up being the biggest donor of the night because even though he was sitting there watching the film, he had no idea what it took to make the film. Yes. Uh, so that night, did they entertain questions from the audience and did somebody make a powerful ask? They made no. They didn't entertain questions from the audience. That's a mistake. And somebody made an ask, but it wasn't powerful. Yeah, there you go. So those are key elements to being successful at the party. Uh, so even if you're a shy filmmaker, you need a dynamite trailer that moves people emotionally, and it doesn't have to be long, but it must move people some way emotionally. Be exciting. Get them excited. If you can get them to cry, they will throw money at you. You don't even need to ask for it. <laughs> That's my favorite kind of trailer. If it, if people are pulling out their hankies and Kleenexes, they will pull out their checkbook and their credit cards. So that's really important. The second thing that's important is you, you must give the attendee time to participate and ask you questions. Uh, you need to find out what they're interested in. So, and that's hard for some filmmakers to learn is they need to shut up and listen. I mean, God gave you one mouth and two ears for a reason. <laughs> listen twice as much as you talk and you'll be more successful. So that has to happen. And then the other thing is someone in the room who is respected by everyone else in the room, and often it's the host, but it could be anyone else in the room who's respected by everybody, needs to get up and make a very powerful and direct and passionate ask for support right away. And if you don't do all of those things, you're losing money. You're lo losing the opportunity for donations. Well said. That's great. Well, another funding party I went to, this gentleman um, had a board made i think he went like to fedex and they maybe it was four feet long and maybe three or four feet high and it started with executive producer 5000 yeah. and it had a line next to it you know to yeah. put the name on yeah and the second was associate producer 2500 and there were two lines yeah down to a thousand and about five lines, and then down to five hundred, and that was it. He didn't go any lower, and yeah. so I had uh, driven there without, uh, you know, the GPS, and it was up in the mountains. I got lost. Finally, got there, 
and uh, I was a nervous wreck. So he said, okay, now, Ms. Dean, what I want you to do is uh, we have to get the $5,000 donation. If we don't get that, I'm not taking any money. Till we, I said, wow, you're going to be that strict? He said, yes. And I said, well, and who's going to ask for that? And he said, yeah. you are. <laughs> That's great. Oh, my God. It put you on the spot, right? <laughs> yes. I mean, it would have been nice that he told me ahead of time I could have practiced or something. But yeah. I, I did it. I talked to him. I said, listen, I've worked on this film for three and a half years. And if I get an associate producer credit, I'll be thrilled to death. I've put in countless hours, and he has too, and he's a dedicated yeah. filmmaker, and you know he's good. So this one-time offer... It, I'm only going to offer this one time. Anyone who yeah. will write a check right now for $5,000, you can have an executive producer credit. Yeah. And up went a hand. Some woman just said, I have to have that. Yeah. And I, that was the best moment I've had in years, Maury. That's great. Yeah, it's wonderful when it happens. It feels great. And that's what you have to do. You have to be passionate and just ask directly. Yeah. Don't tip, don't tiptoe around it cuz every, everybody knows why they're there that night. They know they're going to be Yes. Asked. They uh, are. And that's why house parties are successful cuz they are a self-correcting environment. <laughs> what I mean is if people are not going to give money and they don't want to give money, they don't come that night cuz they know you're going to ask. And that's why 70 to 80% of the people who show up that night should end up giving you money if you do it right because they know they're going to be asked. They've walked through the door and they're saying to you, give it your best shot. I know you're going to ask me for money tonight. <laughs> I brought my credit card. I brought my checkbook. I've got cash. And if you do it right, then I'll, write, I'll give you the money. Right. right. So I do want to say a couple of things about that particular ask. Uh, and one is the amounts are really important and they should be appropriate for the people you've invited. And yes. that's why sometimes you have to throw more than one party. Because some parties are appropriate for people who can give five thousand dollars, some parties are appropriate only for people who can give five hundred bucks, and some parties are appropriate for people who can give a hundred bucks or less. You don't want to mix those parties and those people together, so they need to be uh, disparate. Uh, this, uh, the second thing is, uh, I would always have an amount that's other no matter what your low point is. So maybe 500 is the least that you want to get and that they can afford, but I always say other. Okay. Because I'm, I'm never turning any donation down. And the other thing is uh, uh, a little mechanism uh, I like that works is to have what I call a shill in the audience. And that's someone who before the party has already agreed that the, they will stand up and give you a large amount what you ask <laughs> and that really wow. helps fuel other people giving exactly yeah that's a great idea yes it would fuel because um when we after that when we asked for more donations you know the hands went up and the checks yeah. came out and so it Five thousand, and they could afford it. Believe me, yes, there were bank presidents, top uh, directors in Hollywood. There were that was very uh, easy. Right. Uh, but I thought it was really wonderful that the woman took the lead, and because you know, most of the time they have to check yeah. with their husbands. Right. She didn't ask; she just took it. 
Yeah, well, these days, you know, everybody's got the power. So, Got the power, right. Yeah. Now, your book also talks about a friend-raising party, and I, I've never heard of that. So could you share something about that? Yeah, I mean, what I find more quite frequently is that people say they're going to throw a fundraising house party, and they end up throwing a friend-raising party by accident. Um, and they're, they're very similar, but they're different. In friend-raising... Uh, you're not asking people for money. That's the big difference. You, you're promising them that, that if they come to the party, they will not be asked for money. You're just going to inform them about uh, uh, what you're doing and maybe ask for advice and feedback. And, you know, friend raising often turns into fundraising. However, uh, I've got filmmakers that come to me and say, I'm going to do a fundraising house party, and here's what I'm going to do that night. And it doesn't include asking for money. <laughs> so if you are doing a fundraising house party, you must let people know they will be asked for money, and you must actually ask for money that night. Um, mm-hmm. You're always, whatever you're doing, you're always doing friendraising. Always. Every day, every moment, every time you talk to somebody, you're doing friendraising. And you're hopefully quite frequently turning that into fundraising. Yes. Yes, that really is the job of the filmmaker from the moment they, from the inception of the film, isn't it? Yes, yes. Well, now tell us, uh, where can we buy the Fundraising House Party book? Oh, well, the best place is to come to my website, which is my last name, uh, warshawski.com, W-A-R, S-H-A-W-S-K-I.com, and you can buy them directly from me. And, in fact, uh, if you mention the show, drop me an email before ordering. I'll give you a, an additional $5 discount. So it's oh, already discounted a little bit, but I'll throw in another minus 5 bucks. Uh, but if uh, you just need to go any place and you can't remember how to spell my last name, it's on Amazon. Uh Got it available on, on Amazon.com, both as a, an ebook and as a hardcover. Great. Well, now, if could you tell us a, uh, about your book, Shaking the Money Tree? It's in the third edition. It's got to be good to get to a third edition. That's quite an achievement. Well, people tell me it's the Bible on the subject, so I'll, I'll accept that. Uh, it's been around since, uh, you know, the first edition. Uh, you asked me when the first edition came out, and I had to go back and find out it was 1994. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, and then those were a, a different world and different times. But it's I tried to write a book that was both uh, very, very practical, like the House Party book, uh, but also uh, inspiring and a little theoretical, because I'm actually a little more interested in that. So it's a bit about how to live a life as an independent filmmaker and the basic building blocks for being successful at that. And then it's a lot about the different avenues of fundraising and the very specific granular thing that you you need to learn and do to be good at any of that. So, for instance, there is a, a sample, a couple of sample grants in there. There's talk about uh, how to do a pitch, how to talk to funders, um, you know, a little bit of everything. And I brought in a lot of uh, experts from the field to give their specific advice about areas where they're more expert than I am. 
So it's got that full range of of work in it, and um, I'm kind of well-known for it, although I, I don't do fundraising anymore, but I just give people the book and say, in fact, that's why I wrote it to begin with, is I got tired of telling people how to do it, so I wrote a book. Uh, unfortunately, after people read the book, they still want to talk to me. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they do, more than ever, yes. Yeah. Well, I love the platform that you teach filmmakers. You want them to find their mission as a filmmaker, their vision for themselves, and clearly define their values. So could yeah. you share a bit of that with us? Yeah, that's, for me, that is the the bedrock of all of my work with every client, especially with independent filmmakers. So what I began to understand when I was first doing this work with filmmakers on help, helping them uh, fundraise and create strategies for fundraising was I was looking at their impediments and why they weren't getting grants. So filmmakers would come to me and say, I've hit a wall. You know, no nobody's giving me money for my grant proposals. Uh, my ask isn't working. I'm stuck. Well, what's happening here? And what I began to realize was they weren't grounded well enough uh, in the very basic, deep areas that w- would not only lead them to mo- money, but will make people want to give them money. And that first step, the first big rock was values. Did they understand what their specific and personal core values were? Because you talk to anyone who's really in fundraising, and they will tell you that what a donation is is an investment in values. It's really a values exchange. So the donor is saying to you, you are amplifying values in the world that I want want to in, increase, to, to see multiply and to nourish. And those are my values, and that's why I'm giving you money, essentially. If you really dig deep into that exchange of the donor giving the money to the filmmaker, and that's why trust is so huge. So how do you engender that trust? Well, the first thing is to be really clear about who you are deeply, and that's either going to attract people to you, which is good, and or detract people away from you quickly. And that's really good, too, because you don't want to waste time with people who who aren't in that same kind of values world with you. It's going to be an unhealthy relationship. So I have all of my clients uh, identify their, their core values first, and I've rarely met a filmmaker who's done that before we've worked together. And that's why you notice... In the first paragraph you read about who I am, it's like the second sentence of my website. I say what my core values are. And I'm just saying to people, if these values are tasty to you or warm to you, great. Maybe we can work together. If they're not, then do me a favor. Don't call me. It's not going to work. Okay, so that's values. Uh, And then uh, the second little animal that's really important in my work is your mission, your purpose. Why are you doing this work? And for the filmmaker, you must be very, very grounded in that. Often a filmmaker will say, well, here's the mission of my film. I'll say, no, 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 no. Eventually we'll get to that. I want to know what your mission is first. Why are you doing this work? Why do you feel it's so important to be a documentary filmmaker? 
Why make documentaries as opposed to like writing a book or lecturing <laughs> or just writing a check to, to help save what, whatever it is you want to do in the world? So, And that work is really very important uh, and often a deep and emotional work for the filmmakers to find the heart of what they're doing. And the reason that's important is two things. One is it's your brand. It's how you speak to the world about why you're doing the work. But more importantly is it is your energy nugget. So when you get stuck and the work that's really hard, you go back to your mission and say to yourself, am I still really committed to this? Do I remember yes. why I'm doing this? Is it still important? Because if it's not, let me find something that's important and I'll put my energy there. And it helps the filmmaker get through those tough times. And if you are an independent filmmaker, you will have tough times. Exactly. And that gets you out of bed moving. You made that commitment, and that's who you are. And sometimes they get into such despair that they they think, did I say that? You know, and that sort of pulls them back together. Yeah. And that's where I'll take the filmmaker when they're having difficulty or getting depressed or get stuck. I'll say, well, let's go back and look at your mission statement. Are you still committed to that? Does it still work? And that's why... A filmmaker sometimes might take six months to a year to really articulate that mission statement well. And I like it to be really compact, maybe 25 words or less. And every word has to be important and just the right word. Um, So that's the mission. And then the last little uh, stepping stone in in my triumvirate is something I, I call vision. And it has its own a purpose. Uh, and role to play. And vision is simply, I'll say to the filmmaker, three, five, ten years from now, what do you see yourself doing? What does that look like? What do you look like? How much money are you making? What kind of work are you doing? Who are you working with? Where do you live? Draw me a really vibrant picture of what that looks like in the future. Uh, And once they do that, uh, it serves two large functions. The first is, that's where energy and excitement comes from, is seeing the change you want to make uh, and getting excited about that. And that's how you bring people along with you, how you create teams who are also excited. Because you show them that picture of what the world looks like today, but what you want it to look like tomorrow. And the difference between that two is just really, it gets people excited, or you're hoping it does. So it's like... the the area of excitement. But the other thing that's crucial for for me and the filmmaker when we work together is, is it's the vision that gets you strategic. Because once you can decide what you want in the future, then you can step back and look at your current stasis and say, what do I need to change? Like in the next six months, if I want to get across the street, uh, what do I need to learn how to do? Do I need to take a class in walking or swimming or driving? You know, Where do I put my money, my energy, to push me forward the best? So it's how you get intentful and smart about how you spend your time and energy and money is understanding and committing to your vision. So of the three animals... Once you identify your core values, they never change because you're stuck with those once you're a young adult. Your mission, you're going to have missions for 
yourself as a filmmaker, but also as yourself as a, a husband or daughter or whatever else you do in your life. You'll have those different missions. And because things change in the world, sometimes your missions will have to get adjusted. Uh, typically, they don't change that much. But your vision because the world keeps changing, your vision might change dramatically as you begin to move forward. So you want to keep checking back in on your vision and adjusting your strategies accordingly. So that's my little uh, map of how wow. I get clouds moving. That is so powerful. I remember you saying one time that a filmmaker you had worked with years before came to you and told you, that while he was going through some old papers, he found the vision that he had drawn for himself, and he was, in fact, living that vision. Yeah, and I got so excited when I heard that because I remembered the drawing uh, he was doing. And quite often as a vision exercise, I'll have uh, the filmmaker make drawings. I'll have them draw a picture of the future that they want, what they're excited about, everything that's in it. Even if it's just like stick figures and, you know, they don't need to know how to draw. Uh, and then I'll also, after that, have them draw a picture of their current state of affairs. What does that look like? What does the future look like? I mean, the current, your current reality look like. Uh, and I remembered his drawings very vividly because they were so dramatically different uh, and I could, and he's a filmmaker that is knowable. I just won't mention his name. Uh, but you're, you're right. He called me back years later and said, I found that drawing and I made that happen. And I was very excited for him. The one thing about vision is uh, timing. And that is, I'll tell my clients, draw at least three years ahead. Mm-hmm. Because if you want to make a real change, uh, I know it can happen in three years. Uh, uh, even if it's like a major change, it's going to take maybe at least just three years. Absolutely. Wow. Well, Claire and I, thank you so much for being with us and sharing all this information. And I'm sure that we will get a lot of emails from filmmakers thanking you for this great so. kindness. Yes. And uh, your book is on Amazon, Shaking the Money Tree, third edition, right? Uh, yeah, and it's also uh, available uh, on my website. And again, uh, if anyone wants the book, write me first, and I'll give you a $5 discount on that book as well. Oh, wonderful. Okay. That, I'll that even sign it. <laughs> oh, Mari. Oh, Unless you ask me not to, you know. <laughs> no, no. I always love it when I get books signed. Okay. Well, you've done us a great service. Thank you very much, and lots of love to your daughter from both of us. My pleasure, and you do a great service for the field as well. Thank you so much. Okay. It was a pleasure. Have a great evening. Certainly. Indeed. Thank Thank you, you, Maureen. Bye-bye. Take good care. And to our listeners, I want to tell you how grateful we are for the donations you have given to support our podcast. Carol and I sincerely thank you for donating at from theheartproductions.com. We urge you to send us your ideas for more shows. Who do you want to have interviewed? Topics that you would like us to cover? Just let us know. And please join us next week for the Art of Film Funding Podcast. And be well, everyone. Now, in its second edition, Carol Dean's popular book, The Art of Film Funding, has 12 new chapters to cover all areas of film financing and how to avoid expensive pitfalls. 
Learn how to start with an idea and end with a trailer. How to make an ask for money. Create your story structure and your trailer. Legal advice, fair use, successful crowdfunding, how to ask for music rights, and what insurance you can't shoot without. Available on Amazon under Carol Dean and at FromTheHeartProductions.com. I want to remind our listeners that David Raiklin is a brilliant and talented award-winning musician who scores films and can compose music for a trio or for a full orchestra. David is a very good friend to the independent filmmaker and comes highly recommended by From the Heart Productions. If you need music to help tell your story, please contact him at davidraiklin.com. That's David, R-A-I-K-L-E-N dot com. And Carol and I want to thank you for tuning in to The Art of Film Funding. Please visit our website at fromtheheartproductions.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Good luck with your films, everyone.